Hey, are we ready for Generation Alpha? Listen to the next educational triage to find out. This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, Jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Educational Triage. Aloha. It's myself, Philip, with the very, very intelligent and intel... Well, no, that's two. I would say two things, but innovative, Tony Hunt. Hi, Tony. Hey. Thank you. I was going to say intelligent, intellectual, and I went, wait a minute. Dumb guy. (laughs) Same word. (laughs) Anyway, how are you doing? I am well, thank you. And you? I am too. I'm doing. I'm doing good. I was looking forward to the uh, topic for today because I was unaware of Generation Alpha. I full disclosure, I am a baby boomer at the very tail end of that. And uh, mm-hmm. no, I'm not a nemesis or an enemy. Uh, but I, I can't pretend to know uh, what it's like to be a you know a Gen Z or Gen Xer or a Gen Alpha. However, we're going to cover some of the finer points we think might be coming with that generation and why for some very obvious reasons, mostly, Hey, technology. They're really loaded into technology. They, they were born in a time when everything was the way it is. Now we had the smartphones, we had the pads, we had the computers, we had most of the social media outlets coming up. They are very, very literate at that very literally at that and they've they are adapted to it they're they're still rough they're still pretty young they're just generation alpha should be infiltrating the high schools at this point right that's another trick we have to kind of figure out who they are first off we're adults and they're not yet so we haven't seen a whole lot of results from gen alpha but there's some pretty deep ideas about it i'm willing to entertain them um, they make sense. Yeah. yeah. Can I? I just I just had a thought run through my head. Yeah. And I I want to say that we look at a lot of these ideas, these terms, and everything, and we try to do. We look at them from a psychological point of view in many mm-hmm. ways yeah. because we try to understand them. And psychology in itself is still a relatively late science, and it's still a, and it's an incredibly soft science. I mean, it's very permeable, it's very soft and flexible and malleable. We're finding and out a ton every day. It's just information about how the mind works, consciousness, what motivates people. It rolls mm-hmm. in every day. It's really fascinating, yeah. 
Right. And a lot of it is based on supposition on Mm -hmm. what might be seen as circumstantial evidence in many ways, because Mm -hmm. confirmation bias, you might say. Oh, I think you're right. That's why I put and, in that. I'm not the nemesis as a baby boomer. You know, there's been some things about oh, boomers and all this. Like, well, yeah, it just happens to be the group of years I was born in and the way I was living when I was growing up, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And w- and when we were being brought up, our parents were referring over to Dr. Spock. Dr. Yeah, Benjamin, Benjamin Spock. Spock. Yes, not, not the commander. <laughs> right. Not, not off of Star Trek. He came later. He did. And... They had some, there were some what they called revolutionary ideas back then. And as we're going through and with Generation Alpha, mm-hmm. every every generation had its own iteration of what was best parenting practices. And as my mother used to say, there was no book and there is no book that tells you what's the right way or the wrong way, mm-hmm. because everybody's home is a different culture in itself anyway. And and everybody's different just anyway. Right. And if you take a look at other cultures, my curiosity leads me down this path where are they really that concerned? Is it really that different? Or are they, and are they still throwing their hands up in the air, even though they're still trying to raise their children much the same way that you and I were raised? But now they have technology and everything, and so yeah. they're the parents are a little bit beside themselves with what do we do yeah. with what's happening. But then you also have a good portion of the world that has not really been touched as heavily by technology as has ours. Yeah, I, I agree. One of the things about parenting and and its That's style. That's a long pregnant pause. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. The, the thing about that is that parents, when we were growing up, they kind of saw kids as a separate entity, a little like they had their party and they, they'd they say to us, go play. Now you guys go play. And so we would. Mm-hmm. And we were left unsupervised. Like nobody set anything up for us and said, hey, you do this and do that. And I've invited so and so. And here's your your there was no movie. There's possibly TV, but mostly not. And then we just kind of did stuff and there wasn't a lot of involvement in our lives. You know, parents were a little involved, but they didn't tell you, they didn't set parties up for us or play dates or anything. We found our own friends. We did our own thing. It was very hands-off. That changed a lot. Well, a play date to, to my parents was, Hey, we're going to go over and visit these people and they have a kid and you guys are going to get along and you're going to play. That was the play date. That was and the play so, date, yeah. Yeah, and as and miserable this, as it could be or as wonderful as it could be. Yeah, I mean, some of those some of those play dates I'm still very close to those people. I mean, they're almost like family to me because we grew up together and we did things together. And yeah, uh, I mean, we weren't given you did it by yourselves too. It wasn't the parents setting it up. So you guys ground zero figured it out. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, I remember going off and building dams and creeks. I remember doing all kinds of things. And then my (laughs) mom saying, How'd you get so dirty? It's like, well, we just went Mm -hmm. off and we did X, Y, and Z. 
Yeah. Like, so oh, again okay. today, yeah, you got generations <laughs> uh, that you know the parents are really kind of helicoptery, turn that into a verb, but they hover quite well. Mm-hmm. And there's always been extreme parents like that, but I think that it's with the advent of technology, parents can really keep micro tabs on their kids' lives. They can call I a teacher at any time and say, you know, what's the grade I have a as feeling of today? That it might, do you think that it could be something along the lines of media intrusion, the 24-hour news cycle, where people see children have been kidnapped? Well, yes. the problem yes. is, is that when you have that and you have the media right there, it's almost as though somebody, let's say that, well, we live here on the West Coast in Oregon, but if some kid was kidnapped in Arkansas, a mother down the street from us might suddenly say, oh my gosh, that could happen here. And so there's this, this internalization of things that happen thousands of miles away and the possibility that it could. So it preys, this is what I've been saying all along about the media, they prey on your anxiety. They prey in order to create more drama. And so people are so concerned that now we have these people who other people call Karens who will see two kids playing out in the street or walking home from school saying, where are you? Where are your parents? They see the kids going are in and they alone? report them to CPS. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'm not sure what happens then. A lot of times they go, yeah, but we can't help you. We got too many workers out in the field. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and Oops. 20, 30 years ago, latchkey children were a thing and they still are a thing. But you have all these people mm-hmm. that feel as though they have to keep watch. And so yeah. East Germany had the Stasi. And now mm-hmm. we have now we have the TikTok watchers or whatever you want to call them. The people that yeah. are constantly monitoring what's happening. Yeah, everything has to be right there. That has been said of this generation alpha is that they want things to be entertaining, including learning. You know, mm-hmm. like they they really relish uh, hands-on, um, innovative stuff. Uh, and they just get really intolerant of being put in front of like a screen with a kind of a formative test or a sort of a rambling on lecture guy or something. They... They want things to be as entertaining in learning as they are in entertainment, as they are in their leisure time. And, I, you know, I can't really blame them in a way mm-hmm. because we can do that. I think education can be set up to be very, very curious driven, curiosity driven, um, very innovative as far as what we're doing and how we're assessing it um, and utilizing the um, technology that is just coming at us rapidly just huge another thing too yeah augmented reality think about that generation alpha is going to be kind of well versed those silly goggles aren't going to be so silly and they're going to get a lot smaller so you're talking that's about virtual awesome. reality right yeah augmented reality or virtual reality yeah it's 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 really fascinating if you ever put those things on it really connects your mind up to the experience itself you're not just dan- you're dancing in space you look pretty silly however 
your yeah. world, you're having a gangbuster <laughs> time. And the kids like that. It's and even funnier watching that. somebody. Yes, it's hilarious watching. So, like, what are you, you know, like, I'll give you five bucks if you can tell me what they're doing. Are they fighting a dragon <laughs> or hitting a bowling ball? I can't tell what this is. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's really funny. But they're going to be Here's- really very literate in that. That's very true. An interesting point, though, to counter what you're saying, my sister-in-law bought a car and she didn't go for all the electronics. And she said, yeah, the windows are all, you know, the you roll them up and you roll them down. So it's all hand driven. It's all very no. manual. <laughs> it just and seems the to be a crank. Um, right. Almost They're the every crank car, crank. but a luxury car. Yeah, we're cranks. And so so she's going out and she's picking up her kids for carpool and everything. And the other kids get in the car and they're like, How do you how do you roll down the window? And they tell them, and the kids are fascinated. They love it. She said they couldn't stop. They had to keep rolling the windows up and down and up and down how old are these kids high school <laughs> generation alpha middle school and high school they just yeah, thought it was the most fascinating alpha. thing in the world it's hilarious so just go and, show, yeah. <laughs> and if you think about it they're making fewer and fewer manual transmission cars you have to spend extra to, for a stick, and that that was a skill that basically you should you should learn how to drive a stick just in case you're ever with a vehicle that has a clutch. And now it's like, ah, uh, to work on a car, forget about it. That was a venue for a career for many a person for decades, mm-hmm. working with cars. And now a lot of it is I I had taken my car into the dealer and I said it had a problem hesitating when I floored it, and then it would stay floored kind of thing. And they go, okay, we'll look at it. Oh, yeah, we just updated the software. <laughs> Back there you in the go. day, it was like, oh, yeah, we had to take some adjustments on the car. And now we just updated the software. Yikes. Yeah. That's this pretty is much not what my it is. generation. This is, this, we, are, we are going, wow, okay, didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. Generation Alpha would go, totally. Oh, I'd do that too. That makes, did you do the uh, software? Okay, there you go. <laughs> So if people are asking, what is Generation Alpha? They're the generation that 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 began being born, I suppose, yeah. roughly after 2010. Yeah, early so 2010. The different, so the different generations were the boomers, and they were up until about 1964. Exactly. And then Generation X began 65 to 1980. Millennials are 1981 to 1996. Generation Z is roughly 97 to 2012. And then Generation Alpha is everything since then. Yeah, and the that's, reason that's why, And the reason why they come into, into play right now is because there have been some real issues with behavior in the schools. And it has to do mm. with this group of kids. Now, it's also not with just with these students, but with the other students from Generation Z. 
because after the pandemic, it seems as though boundaries had been broken and vandalism was all the rage when it came to coming to school. And there were that there was just nothing that they would listen to. And so they had to be heavily monitored and they still have to be heavily monitored because there's still vandalism in the bathrooms. They're doing all kinds of things and it's, it's out of hand and the level of disrespect has been going on. And so part of, the reason why we're doing this today, I believe, is to kind of figure out what's actually happening. How did we get to this point? Mm, yeah, possibly. Yeah. And and to see, because th- there's been an evolution. Because it didn't things just changed. happen in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah, just like everything else, things changed. Yeah. Right. And so right. if you take a look at parroting styles, I know that you know, my parents looked at how my brothers parented and they sort of, you know, did their tisk tisk on that. And my brothers looked at the way that their children parent and they're saying, oh my gosh, how can you do that? And so mm. this has been consistent throughout the ages. Mm. So, yeah. I- it, one of the, the things that uh, I can think of with uh, Generation Alpha mm-hmm. is that gaming is very, very important. Uh, it, it's talked about in the school classrooms. It's it's talked about in social situations. It's like the spine, the hub for many kids. They're very literate at it. Minecraft's one of the big ones. They know everything there is to know. And they work within that platform, mm-hmm. which tells me that they're going to utilize that in the future. So gaming is like learning. It's like creating to this group. They see gaming as an avenue in unto itself, a whole different venture of investigation and creating thinking innovating they really get they're into it and uh, they were raised on it. it's in their blood shall we say it's very interesting to see but it's true are you saying that it's sort of a tron world well i'm saying that you know it used to be gaming was something you did to kind of get away and i'm just doing this thing and then i got to go do the things i need to do don't game so much because you know gaming is actually becoming a very legitimate avenue well to, it's a professional to create sport. within yeah there's sporting events there's all kinds of discussions and they're not, not just about strategies or levels it's about what did you think of the graphics at this point and, you know did you notice you know, does this game flow better in other ways and things? You know, they're talking about operating questions and operating mm-hmm. systems. And it's it's interesting to watch because I'd never thought of gaming anything other than really augmented escape and recreation. But they see it as almost like they've discovered music. Holy cow, look at the things I can do with this. It's I think it's going to be quite a thing to see out of this generation as they get older. Do you think that this generation, though, is going to be able to adapt independently, say, 
as Generation X or the Millennials? I don't understand the question. Because what I'm... Okay. Do you think that they are going to be more reliant upon their parents and upon the adults in their family Yes. Very much unlike the previous generations. And I don't know is about that, that going to be yeah. well, I mean, yeah. I, they have, we they still have, have <laughs> you know, there's still Shep living in his grandma's basement, you know, playing games yeah. and doing this, that, and everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about do we have because I well, I was going through everything and I was trying to figure this out. There are two parenting practices that seem to be sort of the norm, and mm-hmm. they are conscious parenting, where the parents are always there for the child, and they're always listening, and they always pay attention to what the child has to say. So there's always these affirmations that are coming, and the child always knows that they're being acknowledged. And then there's also... I'm trying to remember the other kind of parenting that there was. It was, oh Lord, it's it's like this interdependency, and I can't remember the name of it. I'll I'll look it up in a second and see if I can find it. But it is the kind of parenting where the parents, if it, it's like on-demand parenting, so if the kid needs. The kid wants to breastfeed. The parents are there to breastfeed them no matter the time or whatever. If the kid needs something, the parents are right there. The parents, there's the parents will take the kid, and I watched this happen with a couple I know. And they, in order for the child to go to sleep, they lay down with the child from anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour in order for the child to go to sleep. And they're both there. And Everything, this is all part of, this is all part of the connectedness because they are always there for the child. Well, the the pandemic hit. Well, no, they carry, they carry, you know, when the kid is young, they walk around carrying the kid as well. And so there's like, I'm not saying anything about the cause. I'm saying that right in the middle of generation alpha, the pandemic hit. So the focus on family and and the, and the belief that you know the future with their family is very very important to them. It's said compared to the rest of the world, American Gens or Gen A's are worried about not seeing their family enough. A lot of them, so it's kind of something in them, and mm-hmm. some of it might be the pandemic. I'm thinking that that really did mess up things, and we're not sure what happened yet. It's only been a few years, so you know the dust hasn't <laughs> settled. <laughs> it's called attachment parenting, but they're constantly carrying the baby around. And so there's like this, there is an attachment to the parent. So there is this huge bonding that's going on mm-hmm. where you and I, maybe we didn't have that kind of bonding with our parents. Mm-hmm. No. And and I was reading something today where somebody said, if the if the brain isn't really fully developed until maybe age 25, why do children leave the home at age 18? Because of the, uh, the uh, industrial model. Right. And, yeah. But 
And there used to be a time when children really didn't leave the home until much later. And in some countries, yeah. they don't until they get married. True. They don't. They don't leave the family clan until they join another one. They, so they've never been uh, unattached, as they'd say, for sure. That's true. Right. And they, they do stay with the parents longer. And one of the reasons they think is that it's to get the education and get the support they need. So they're more dependent on parents. You know, they can't just distant, don't get out at 18 and, and do any old thing. They generally have a course of action or something, and they, they're sticking around the parents for the support. But are they as independent? Because they would have yeah, a not. very sheltered worldview. Mm-hmm. Because how many of those families are actually going out and seeing the world? How many of those families yeah. can actually afford to go out and see the world? I know that when I was growing up, we would, my parents made sure that we went all around, not necessarily to the world, but we would go camping up in Canada. We would be all over the United States. We would have mm-hmm. cultural experiences wherever we went. In some ways, you might say that we were, it was more of a homeschooling experience whenever we would go on a vacation. You were American middle class. Maybe a little higher because yeah. you go more, but. Yeah, that. Well, no, my parents would save through the year and we would camp. We camp. Right. Yeah. Well, I I didn't say anything about. Right. But some people don't even have enough budget to even do that, you know, get out on a camping trip once a year at all. So, but yeah, that that getting out, getting around. And then they'd tell us, I remember going to Yosemite and they'd let me wander. They wandered. They let me just wander. And I'm like, it was crazy. You know, I just, okay. I, I oh, got, we did I that. Did get a little lost. I came back, but yeah, it's like crazy. Oh, we would be up at the campsite, and my mother would say, "Well, where are you going?" And I remember we were at Radium Hot Springs in Canada, up up in the yeah. Rockies and Canadian Rockies. And I said, "I'm going to go down to the pool now." I was maybe about eight or nine. She said, "Okay," oh, yeah. and so then oh, I yeah. just go down to the pool because I knew what to do, and there weren't oh. any real problems. I don't know that that could happen today because it doesn't. Parents like need you said, to know. Would, it's would like you them. need a tracker. Yeah, hmm. and and they and people would say, "Well, how come you're here without a parent?" You know, they wouldn't. Society itself would question it. That you know that famous story. Or, here, go here, kid. Go here's some here's a dollar. Go down to the store and buy me a beer and tell them you're. I was too sick to go, and they would do that stuff. And I never did that or drank the beer, but they, I know for a fact they would do that. You know, you could buy anything for your parent. Go, oh, my mom needs this is a bottle of wine or something. Go back to the grandma needs her stuff. cigarettes. Yeah, I used yeah. to buy cigarettes for my yeah. mom sometimes because we were going to Seb. She said, I'll pay for it. And she gave me the money and then you want 15 cents more back at that time. Candy bars people <laughs> were a freaking dime. One dime. 10 cents. Almond Joy, one of my five favorite cents. candy bars. Five, 10 cents yeah. for those. And five cents were for the cheaper They were ones. big. Yeah, they were the same size. Maybe bigger with shrinkflation. However, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I read this but, too. I was doing the research on Generation Alpha, and it was said that they're very savvy at picking up uh, insincere advertising and messages, and they will reject it. 
And mm-hmm. I thought to myself, well, that would be a miracle. <laughs> a whole generation of people going, well, that's a load. I'm not listening to that. It's like how refreshing right. that would be if it were true. <laughs> but in the future, we're going to do an episode on peer pressure and how that impacts education. And my question is whether or not there isn't a ton of peer pressure that happens in these realms that they're in online that affects their worldview because they don't want to be seen as an outsider, even though they may know something that others don't know. See, peer pressure. You want to be part of the in crowd, right? Oh, yeah, you do. There's been so many of those experiments and studies that, yeah, we can talk about that later, but they're fascinating what people will do to fit in. It's crazy. Right. Now, if we go into structured play versus free play, which we've touched Mm -hmm. on already, structured play is good because it can help expose students to new things for example, yeah. music, organized sports, etc. But in order for kids to really learn something, they need to be able to investigate and to explore. And my question is just how much is Generation Alpha structured by their parents in their time? Well, or their um, activities, the structure of their activities. Right. Because they're joining groups and teams that have very pat uh, structures, very defined social structures, things like that. Yeah. Well, because we talked about how they have play dates or they go to yeah. school and school is all about structure and structured play. Yeah. Unless, unless it's a, a, a school that allows for exploration on their own in order to see what it is that maybe the students would like to learn and to figure out on their own. Well, there's also a ton of the sports these days are becoming very overbearing. Yeah. And like, if you played soccer back in the day, I remember soccer was the first sport to go. Yeah. It's not our season, but we don't care. You know, our players want to play year round. And so they do team things year round club sports if you joined a club team and it happened in baseball to a great extent little league and babe ruth those structures they're crumbling more so babe ruth because babe ruth's the higher teens the 13 to 17 year olds and if you're 13 to 17 and you're playing baseball you're playing on a club team or a high school team you know you're not right you're not just going on a team with any old guys you know the caliber of the player next to you is as high as if not higher than yours. It's it's serious news to them. And so it's really hard to kind of watch them become little professional baseball players at like 14. Like, dude, you're, you just got, you got a schedule for your workouts. And I got, you know, he's like, I have to cut some weight. So cut some weight, dude. Good luck. You're growing three inches in six months now. Good luck cutting that weight. But they do. They think that way. Yeah. It's well, crazy. They don't think that way. Their parents have taught them to think that way. Well, that's right. That structure has taught them to think that way. You're right. And my question goes now to just how much of an extension of the parents have the children become? 
Well, that's a good point. How much of it has evolved away from just disorganized sort of play? Like these well, things, we had a lot of hours on our hands when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't that much anymore because they have practices and plays and or practices, plays, whatever. Yeah, things like that. So we have the same and, thing, though. It, well, maybe a function of just offered it to us. I, I, they have a ton of choices for sports. I couldn't even play football until I was like 13. Uh, that's gone. I mean, they oh. got like nine year olds out see- there. They're not padded up, but, you know, they're out there, things like that. So. Oh, I was playing. I was playing in fifth grade, and I was all padded up, and I had to walk the mile to practice, or ride my bike to practice. Because I had to walk home, get <laughs> into my pads, too. and then ride my bike another mile to get to the practice, and then ride my bike right. home. And the you thought ride, was, you had to wear your helmet because there was no place to put it. And that was before helmets, kids. We didn't. We didn't wear yeah, helmets. As we didn't general. have to helmets wear helmets on the bikes because our skulls would just bounce off the pavement. But they never or did. Was on my way home from football practice because I had to wear my helmet. I couldn't hold it. Yeah. And and sometimes I had to figure out a way to get to the games because my parents weren't always available to take me to the games. That happened too. Yeah, and then so you to the game they would yourself. find a way yeah. for me to go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's a skill, not being sh- shuffled around, not being, you know, hey, you, I'm sorry I can't show for you to this, you know, on a regular mm-hmm. basis. You have to figure out a way to do it. That's kind of unusual, I think. Unless you're inner city and, or things, you can walk to practice fairly easy. But generally speaking, America is sort of stretched out and wide open, so it's not easy. Your high school is a good I, couple miles away for sure. Yeah. I wonder, too, about the lack of awareness when it comes to how they feel about climate change. When their parents come, their parents drive them to school and it's a lot of, it's a lot of idling. So they, that the parents can't just drop them off at the corner. They have to drive them into the lot. And then there's all this time spent trying to get out of the lot and stuck in traffic. Because mm-hmm. you know how those parking lots get. And then after school, the parents are out there idling their cars for 45 minutes before the kids come out. And then they're stuck in traffic trying to get out of the lot. And so they're, in a sense, it's kind of a mixed message. But they're climate I've ag- seen they're parents- climate advocates, though. Jen Jen advocates. is very climate advocate. Yeah, very much climate advocates. Yeah. But I have seen parents drive two blocks to the school to drop their kid off and then pick their kid up and drive back home those two blocks. That is a fact, especially now, at the elementary level. Now, people might say maybe they have ambulatory issues. No, they don't. The same parent is out running in the morning. The yeah. kids don't have any ambulatory problems. It's well, because they, yeah. it, it's the look. They don't trust. Yeah, they don't trust society or they just, you know, they don't want to be that parent that makes their kids walk home alone or something. Yeah, it used to be. We all walked home, but yeah. And so Generation yeah. Z is the generation that ha- that was most afflicted with the highest levels of anxiety. You can tell that was what that would be. That 
that was one of the characterizations that I found. And they withdraw socially, they can't dis- they they can't manage their stress, and there's a lot more disruption disruptions in the classroom. So I'm wondering whether or not the the following generations see these things happening with the previous generations and they want to and those are attached with them. So like scaffolding, do those behaviors grow bigger with each generation because now maybe they're normed? Or do you believe that Generation Alpha will have lower anxiety levels? I don't know, because anxiety is uh, it's a reaction to a present situation that becomes chronic if you let it. So it's hard to say whether or not things will ease up. The pendulum is swinging, I think, because we got a little bit out of control here with, for example, with the birth of social media, you know, all that misinformation running around and now there's deep fakes. And, you know, we're just catching up to that stuff. Um, And the reason I think we're catching up to that stuff is, well, maybe it's going away, but we're trying to catch up to it. The reason might be that we didn't see it the same way as Gen Alpha might see it. Gen Alpha, the way they see gaming is part of a whole different avenue of exploration and sort of being. We see it as sort of an adjunct, like, you know, media didn't used to be this way, and now it's this way, instead of seeing it the way it is and then guiding it a different way or just editing it, like, with all the information you can bring in. I would hope, for example, you know, relying on one outlet and one person for your information is by anybody's calculus really bad. I mean, it is because I said so. It is because we said so. You know, that's just cult thinking. And uh, I think you have to go from place to place, pick up your information, realize which way is which way the wind's blowing, for example, and who's completely going the opposite. Uh, hopefully they can master it because it's here and it's crazy. Interesting. So here's another question. Do you believe or think or consider whether or not the students are reflecting a lot of the, I don't want to say psychoses, but a lot of the feelings, etc., of their parents, and they bring that into the classroom. And of course, there, there's a good portion of that that happens. But if the parents are anxious, do the students bring that anxiety with them? Or do you th- believe that maybe this generation is able to disassociate itself, even though I doubt very seriously with this conscience conscious parenting and this Hmm. attachment parenting. I'm just wondering if it's not going to be maybe a little more challenging. Yeah, that's a good question. They're too young right now to judge the Gen Alphers, but the Gen Zers. They're almost 14, 14. (laughs) Yeah. The thing about that is, though, I mean, Shoot, they could just be teenage anxious. I mean, I was 
I was a product of my environment, you know, politically and by community. But my anxiety was sort of a personal issue. It was more related to other issues besides my parents' involvement in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of hard to tell. I do know that the Gen Z kids are getting much more versed in wellness practices, meditation, uh, other uh, philosophies. See, when I was a kid, the way it was presented to me, Buddhism, you know, wasn't. So I was left to kind of assume something, and I ex- assumed it was some sort of exotic, strange philosophy. Oh, and I was told that yoga was about sex. So we didn't learn about, we weren't to talk about yoga. <laughs> now I found out, God, I wish it was, because I've done a lot of yoga, and I didn't get that much sex out of it. But yeah, <laughs> it was sort of, the, you know, an Eastern exotic thing and dubious at best. And uh, you know, kids today know that, you know, you know, when I get upset, I just breathe. And it's like, damn, kid, it took me till I was like 40 to figure that out. <laughs> you know, it's like, so... Yeah, well, that's what they told me. It was like somebody had said something, and I'd heard that from another person. They said, "Yeah, my parents said it was about sex." I went, "That's where maybe I heard it," but it's like it's no, it was all kind of off, you know, the Oriental weird thing. You know, it's yeah. like I didn't realize how how racist I was then, but I was a product of my society. <laughs> I don't think it's it's it's. I wouldn't call Oriental. it racism. I would say that yeah. it was. Ignorant. What's ignorant? I was going to say it. It was ignorance. And here's why we can tie this right into Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha is really into inclusivity. Inclusivity. I said it. That's just part of their zeitgeist. They were raised with that. In our generation, it was kind of, we knew there were people who looked much different than we looked and that they lived in faraway lands for the most part. And we knew that there were, you know, those yoga things in the Orient, mm-hmm. you know, but they were over there and you saw pictures and films, you know, unlike someone a hundred years before us who would maybe see a photograph, certainly never a film of someone from Asia or, you know, someone from oh. Africa and go, wow, that's interesting. People can get that skin color. That's really interesting. And, but so we've gone past that to understanding they're there to completely being like, in each other's countries and shops and cars. And I mean, it's nothing to run into somebody. Where are you from? Albania. I had a friend from Albania. It's like Albania. That's just, that's very, very diverse. You know, just about Mm -hmm. anywhere from any, anything from anywhere can be everywhere. It's kind of cool. And we had miscegenation in our own family. So. Ah, and and back in the 50s mm-hmm. in the 40s and so that was kind of a yeah. big deal that was and, a big deal and family just thought it was normal they went through yeah, their it, they went through their shocker phase and then it was fine because fine. everybody was welcomed into the family so there's yeah. but I think because of the internet and I think because travel and technology have made things so much easier, so much faster, that it is no longer so quite exotic, maybe, to go to Japan, to go to China, 
because it has become sort of things that people just do. They just do it. Oh, we're just going to go to Indonesia. Who just goes mm-hmm. to Indonesia like 50 years ago? Unless you're on a research project or a diplomatic mission or a military operation. Right. Right. Even 30 years ago, it was a big deal. Kind of, yeah. It, yeah, it was. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, spring break, going to go to Paris, then we're going down over to Greece, and then we're coming home. It's like, wow, really? In a week? <laughs> well, here I was looking at some trips to Africa, and I mentioned it to somebody, and they said, oh, yeah, so-and-so and so-and-so just got back. This was like their eighth or ninth trip over there. And I'm like, what? what? No. Yeah. I thought I was being exotic. No. So I think things, I I think that things have become far more normalized than they were. However, I'm not sure that this generation is ready to accept that not everybody looks thinks and does things the same way that we do here. Right. So time will tell. It's right. This like I said at the beginning, it's like, wow, talking about playing armchair philosopher sociologist. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not qualified for either. And to talk about kids basically right now as a generation without the evidence of their adulthood yet and know what they're gonna do or how they're gonna do it. Um, But I can see some of those signs, you know, that real, that falling in love with augmented and virtual reality and and Mm -hmm. actually thinking gaming is, you know, an avenue for exploration and creativity. And I'm not too sure they're wrong. I mean, yeah, you talk about game theory and things like that. It's just come out in society, you know, it kind of explains a lot of things. (laughs) Well, things are always evolving. Yeah. And, you know, we just become products of our past a lot of times. And, ooh, it's been a heck of a past. Last, last couple of That's generations. True. I thought it was just like for us really crazy. Hey, they put a man on the moon and, and cars are kind of fast and there's the TV. And mm-hmm. now it's like, yeah, and I can actually interact with the TV. And now there's too many channels. <laughs> we used to complain there were only like a few. It's like, God, now it's like, I don't want to know. My yeah. father went crazy when he could buy videotapes. He went out and bought like 10 of his favorite movies. Because oh he could watch them anytime, you know, on tape. Right. He was just in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you could probably go, oh, it's on this. Do you want to watch this? Okay. Pop it on. Now you pop. Well, now you just get on the TV and you see a movie and you go click. There it is. I want to watch that. And TV yeah. and movies are being made for TV, like huge blockbuster films, like yes. collateral. Yeah. It's just like totally aimed toward being on Netflix. But I'm Never not sure that these the movie theaters. Yeah. I'm not sure that these kids are really into television that much. They're into films. Oddly enough, I had read that, that really? they really are into going to movies, oh. actually seeing another film. And, you know, I thought to myself, well, what's the big deal? But then I thought to myself, because you're old, the big deal now is they're in IMAX. They're huge. They're experiences. And if you've ever watched a Marvel 
film or any of those genres, uh, action genres. Basically, they're just gigantically staged, huge, amazing fight scenes interlocked with just a few minutes of dialogue to gate yeah. to the next amazingly huge, impressive fight scene. And Which so when you're why, in there, you're going, wow. <laughs> except, except, you know, I fall asleep. Well, it's too I much. Like, I like nuanced stuff. I don't, yeah, I watched some of it. It's like, okay, I've seen that. Like John Wick, everyone's into John Wick. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, it, he's just a, a, a video game. He's a human video game. You know, in one scene, he That's killed true. 48 guys. I, I counted it because I watched I said, I can't believe mm-hmm. what I just saw. So I counted it. 48 people. Yeah, <laughs> well, have you, seen, have you seen The Beekeeper? No, is it same thing? Same Same thing. thing. It's a Jason Statham. Yeah, Jason Statham. I saw him when he used to act like in Snatch, but uh, yeah, now he's just sort of an action hero. He's bulletproof, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Okay, so we're gonna wrap up. So, any last words? Yeah, I I will. uh, To make my disclaimer one more time. It's just, it's, it kind of made me uncomfortable making predictions about Generation Alpha. I felt like the old codger, you know, get off my lawn. You guys are not like we were. And I don't know what they're <laughs> like. But I can imagine just being raised on nothing but that cutting edge and annoying technology that we've mm-hmm. had for mm-hmm. this past 10, 15 years. They, they've mm-hmm. never known a world without that. It's true. Poor suckers. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Well, this is fascinating because... I mean, I learned so much doing research on this. Me too. And things kind of started making sense to me, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions. So next week, we're going to look at the parents. Ah, And we're going to take a look at how has parenting changed as well as their relationship with education. So be Mm. sure that you join us next week. Which prove which should prove to be interesting. Very. So, until then, keep your feet on the ground, reach for the stars, and we will see you then. Till then, bye bye.